I am the Shadow Lord. You may remember me from a previous advert on the Improv London podcast. Or maybe you saw one of my few corporeal appearances at Duck Duck Goose. Well, the latter is more relevant here. I'm here to tell you that Duck Duck Goose are now running courses and workshops at their fabulous HQ, the Ephra Social Pub in Brixton. Go to www.ddgimprov.com to read more and sign up. The next beginner's course starts on the 25th of February 2019 and the performance course on Monday 13th of May 2019. I'll be seeing you in your nightmares! It's episode 128 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Ellis Ballard. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for coming around to my house. I come round to your house. It's lovely. It's beautiful. <laughs> this, I mean, I'm very great. I'm very, I'm so, so, so relaxed. I'm taking my jump off. Oh, um, I'll I'm, join you. I'm, I'm sat by the radiator, so uh, anyway. Yeah, um, I'm going to be freezing by the end of this. <laughs> well, if you get cold, put your jacket back on. Um, anyway. It's um, sort of practical <laughs> stuff I don't understand, Stuart. <laughs> So yeah, no, I I realised you're an adult. You're able to put your jumper on if you're feeling cold. That's uh, that's a little t- that, that wasn't for you. That was for any of the listeners. Okay. Uh, if anyone was confused, they, they were feeling too hot, or too that's cold. That's what people come to the Improv London podcast for. That sort of advice. <laughs> put something on. Take something off. However, you feel more comfortable. Just work around that. Um, yes, uh, my very favourite place to record is my living room. Uh, so thank you very much for coming to my also, very favourite place to record. It's my favourite place to record because I don't have to travel into London for once. So yeah, that's very much yes. We are uh, we are reading <laughs> reading focused today. Hashtag reading chat. Hashtag reading chat. Reading comma Berkshire rather than. Uh, it's all right because Pennsylvania, you... I think there's a Reading. Is there really? Yeah. I really came along for the Reading chat. I've got, I've got loads of Reading. Give me your Reading you chat. Oh, poor Chris Tarrant's dad lived here. Chris, no, not Chris Tarrant. Not Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant's dad. <laughs> I've got some rather peripheral Reading facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me another peripheral Reading fact. Oh, peripheral Reading fact. Um, Huntley and Palmer's biscuits at the very top of their building. There's a snooker table. Wow. Yeah. And if you've got the right key, you can head up the top there and you can play a game of snooker for free. It's the only free game of snooker in Reading. It's the only free game in town. Yeah. At the top of the biscuit tower. At the top of the biscuit tower. What what biscuits are they best best known for? Do you not know Huntley and Palmer's? I'm, this is for the this oh, is for okay. the listeners. Sorry. Of course I know. Of course you know. Uh <laughs> Huntley and Palmer's, they, they were more known for their tins than their biscuits. Oh. Um, but they made, like, really extravagant biscuit tins. So yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, which had biscuits in them. Oh, they had biscuits in them as well, yeah. Right, okay. Officially, Huntley, Bourne and Stevens made the biscuit tins. Right. Huntley and Palmer's made the biscuits. And then they built Palmer Park and the Palmer Estate. Um, <laughs> I did not know I was going to go see deep into Reading chat. No, no, I'm finding this fascinating way to learn about where I live. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure well, it's you don't not... live in Reading. 
You live in Caversham. <laughs> I live in Caversham. Yeah, I know I said we could go inside baseball before we started. Yep. But, um, so yeah, I apologise if this is irrelevant to many of the listeners. Feel free to cut this all out, Stuart, and just send it to me personally in, so a, in, a, a in a detachment as an email so this I can is, listen to myself talk about Reading. This is a special Patreon only. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll pay you 100 quid to just give me a Reading podcast. Well, no, if you're a, if you're a Patreon oh, subscriber, you don't have to listen to this bit. <laughs> If you're just a normal subscriber, then you have to put through all the Reading chat before you get anything about improv. Uh, I think that's how that should work. Oh, wonderful. I don't believe in putting things behind, you know, stopping people from getting stuff. I agree, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a member of Just Friends. I'm a member of Just Friends. Tell me about Just founding Friends. Founding member of you're Just Friends. You're a founding Friends. member of Just Friends. Yes, yeah, so I'm trying to belittle your part oh, in the I'm Just d- Friends story. Yeah. Um, just Friends are... I would broadly call us a comedy group um but we are an impro- improvised comedy group at the moment um where we do long form improv uh we don't have a specific format but fun is hoopla style it's that sort of fun friendly upbeat but also um there's quite a large sort of portion of our team i'm not including myself in this that are very improv theater uh, influence Chris Meady sort of they've done a few of that sort of stuff and and they really like the relationship side of it um, some quite slow burn stuff which is nice for people like me and there's other members of our team that like to go to crazy town quite quickly um, so it sort of allows us to sort of come in with anything <laughs> as soon as possible so yeah just friends I would sort of describe as high energy, low energy, embrace the chaos, whatever happens, happens, style improv, um, which I really, really enjoy and really love, yeah. Cool, so how did you all meet? Um, it's a weird one, it's been through a few sort of iterations, so we, uh, the main sort of hub of us in the middle, four or five of us, came out of a, a, lo- a long form course that we did with Maria Peters, uh, with Hoopla, um, we were doing our mandos and we just we just had so much fun it was so much fun and we sort of built a practice group out of that which sort of fell apart in certain ways and then a few of us got together and we were like no no there was definitely something there and we definitely want to build something and then just through different people doing different workshops people meeting people at shows um, we found a really nice sort of network of people and brought them all together um, in so such weird ways, the way you find the weird connections. We did a, we did a launch pad once, um, and the day before the launch pad, Stu, who's, who's in our group, texted us and he was like, "Guys, I've got a confession to make," and he was deadly serious. But I'm really sorry, guys, but like, I've got another improv group. Um, and they're performing on the same night. I didn't want to bring it up. I'm sorry. You know, we're like, well, it's fine. You're allowed to be in another improv group. Um, but it turned out that that group. We're also sort of looking for extra members, and we just sort of merged. They were called It's Us, I think. Uh, we're called Just Friends. Apparently, we were the dominant party, and we're still <laughs> called Just Friends. We thought about a lot of. We thought we could. It's just us, or friends. just yeah, or friends. I don't know. Yeah, but we were just like, no, we're no, we're the <laughs> stronger gene in this pool. <laughs> yeah, so we're called Just Friends. Also, Just Friends is a better name than It's Us. I agree. Um, I mean, just, but quality of name is well, not so necessarily something absolutely that... Absolutely. Sh- I think it's inversely related to quality <laughs> of improv group, is it not? I don't know. Um, oh, just, uh, just Friends is a name that I am happy with, 
but don't. I don't think anyone in the group loves it. <laughs> it's just we had that thing of um, coming up with a name, and we spent a whole rehearsal session with a, a proper league table and voting system. Um, oh, you see, that, that's why you've ended up with a name that nobody loves, but nobody hates. Absolutely, and I'd much rather be in that position than have a name I hate. No, 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 <laughs> um, it was essentially Jimmy Keen who's in our, in our group. Um, we were, like, scrabbling for names, and Jimmy just said, Oh, you guys looking for names? Oh, and just sent us a photo of a notebook that had literally rows and rows and columns of names, and some of them were fantastic and I loved some of them and I wish I, anyone that sounded like a metal band I wanted <laughs> there was like Teeth and Nails and uh, Mother's Ruin was one which I'd love to be <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Mother's Ruin that would be my favourite um, I think it came down to sort of two or three and one of them was Make It So which I think is a Star Trek yeah. reference and I just thought I don't know I was you like, think I would know that but you know, I, well, someone that has seen a Doctor Who it's I'm, not the same Different well, well, the thing is, everyone else uh, and in the group at that time loved Star Trek. And so if one person... I remember we did an exercise once where we just had to talk about something we loved. Um, one of them started talking about Star Trek and everyone just got involved. And I was just sat there in the middle going, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, so I was, I was pretty reluctant to... I'm reluctant to have anything reference another piece of art um, unless it's that's within the format. Do you yes. know what I mean? I, I don't want to be... You know, make up your own stuff, you know. <laughs> so were you playing on the kind of person who? No, it was uh, it was a thing we did with Chris Mead. Uh, oh, are you na- do you like your neighbour? No, I think it was just... I think we were working on Armando's. We were just working on monologues for Armando's and we'd have two people sat across from each other. I can't remember what the exercise is called, but you'd keep talking until a subject comes up okay. that the other one knows about and then they yeah, start yeah. talking about it. But that came in, into a real sort of feedback loop because everyone seemed to love Star Trek <laughs> except me. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we should probably define some terms. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm the kind of person who, that's the game where um, you say, I'm the kind of person who likes Star Trek. And then everybody in the room goes and stands with that person. Uh, <laughs> if and... we were playing that, it would have been a lonely day for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then if someone says, I'm the sort of person who, and they're the only person that likes that, then you give them a big round of applause and cheer because they're an individual and they go their own way and they should be saluted. Um, and um, what was the other term? Uh, Armando's monologues. Yes, yes, that's what. Yeah. So, can you yeah talk us through what an Armando is? Armando, the the way we just friends do it because that's what we've been focusing on up until two thousand and nineteen when we'll be debuting our new format, Stuart. I, that I can't talk about, about that. because uh, I'm not too sure what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Armando's are basically. Uh, the way we do them, we'll just take a, a suggestion of a word or a phrase and then one of us will come forward and do probably a two-minute sort of monologue true story about our lives and then we'll do some scenes based on that and then there'll probably be two or three more monologues throughout the 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 set and then we'll try and wrap it up in some, <laughs> in some nice package at the end. Um, although I love monologues. I really love monologues. I think I got into... So I started doing stand-up a tiny bit, um, and I think I only had any confidence to do stand-up because of how much I love doing monologues. Um, Because I also studied with the FA for a bit and did uh, 
Oh, the free association. Sorry, we're 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 we're, <laughs> we're defining terms, aren't we? Yeah. Um, the free association who are another improv school. Do they call themselves a school? It makes sense with the F, the FA to call them a school. I think. I feel like with Hoopla, you can go like, ah, it's great, great, nice, lovely, learny time. But FA really feels like you're at school. <laughs> um, but we, we did. What do they call it? Jacuzzi or something? Yeah. Don't they? Yeah. I don't know why. Is there a reason, do you know? Um, I do not know if there is a reason. I don't know what it is. I know that they do it. I've yeah. never done anything with the AFA. Uh, it's, it's, it's basic, because me and um, there's another improviser called Victoria, we were doing it and we were, because we were quite familiar with Armando, so we were, we were quite having quite a nice time doing it. And then we were like, why are they calling this a jacuzzi? It doesn't make any sense. All the terms are confusing. Can everyone just call everything the same thing that it is? Is it because, is it proprietary? I don't know, some, some improv forms, I don't know, so, you know, it, there, there's kind of legal things you can't call it a such and such because it's right. someone's creation. I don't know if that's the case with Armando. Armando, because it's literally named after uh, Armando Diaz, right? Yes. Yeah. Maybe he's got like a little TM at the top of his. Um, Somebody listening to this is going to tell me that jacuzzi is not the same as an Armando, which I think it might not be because I I think they do. Please tweet at Improv London and do uh, not tweet at Ellis Ballard. Um, (laughs) I don't have a Twitter. Is that is that because you don't have? Don't have a Twitter. You can tweet at just friends if you like, Um, but you know Bobby or. Marie or someone else will get it and I won't have to read it so that's fine um, and they won't know, they won't have listened to this so they don't know what, what you'll be talking well, about well that's hurtful <laughs> they uh, will they uh, will uh, they're big fans of both of us fantastic um, uh, they just don't like us together individually <laughs> oh those two <laughs> put them together oh, it's too much of a good oh, thing yuck. just literally too much good things oh, if those two were ever in a team together I would never go and watch them that's really? what they're saying yeah, yeah. Fair I temporarily forgot for one second <laughs> that we are in the same team. We are I was like, oh, what's, oh, I see how We are technically in the same team, do you know that? Save that. Again, <laughs> that, we'll come back to that. Sorry, we're you defining were Armandos? About, yeah, well, you were talking about the jacuzzi. Well, jacuzzi, I think, because uh, I haven't done much of it, because um, I only did it in the class and that. I, I haven't performed with the FA. I haven't auditioned for their teams or anything, um, because it's in North London and... Holy moly, that was a stretch getting... I did two two weeks of intensives. So basically I took two weeks off work and my day job was learning improv with the Free Association. Uh, just so exhausting. Just uh, bodily exhausting. I learnt so much. I think I probably learnt more in those two weeks about improv than I have in two years doing it. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm not, there's so many buses, so many trains, and then when you get there, you've got to engage your brain and your body for yeah. a full, however, six hours or whatever. Um, yeah, it's good training, but and it's good for stamina, but it's not not best. But a jacuzzi, I told you I meandered <laughs> before we recorded. I told you I meander when I talk. Uh, 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 I think a jacuzzi, they do a few... It's more like a Harold. I'm trying to avoid terms. <laughs> it's more like a specific Harold opening where I think a few monologues happen at once and then you do a scene. Um, I don't really know, though, to be honest. I don't know why I'm discussing it because I'm not really an expert. So. Fair enough. All right. Well, <laughs> well, if you're interested in finding out what the jacuzzi is, contact the FA. Contact the FA. They will tell you or yeah. they will teach you. Um, They'll teach you for a lot of money. Um, 
No, you can get some good deals, I hear. <laughs> Just going to leave that hanging there. Um, I'm... Sorry. It's good, it's good, it's good. I was just like, sometimes silence in scenes could be a powerful thing. Yeah. I just think of all the money I've ploughed into improv. Yes, but... Hey, I'm not really, don't worry. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And I, I think, you know, I've, I've contributed much uh, financially to the uh, improv ecosystem. Yeah. But, you know, I don't resent that because of all the things... I feel that I've had a quite a good, you know, I've had an amazing return on my investment. I completely agree. And uh, talking about the FA there, I'm so pleased with the FA and everything I got out of the FA and everything, all the money I paid them was very much worth it. Please don't come after me, the FA. Thank you. (laughs) I I, I hear them. They've got a real mafia. They can come after you if they hear you talking badly about them on the podcast. So it's, that's not true. Carry on. <laughs> right. That, that, that's right, Ellis, who was saying those words about the FA, whereas I'm just a merely independent... Uh, I was just uh, reading this script you gave me, Stuart. What do you mean? Uh, it's all about the script. Um, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to throw my pen at you then. <laughs> Stuart, you threw a pen at my head. Uh, I missed. Um, uh, you work for the FA, don't you? <laughs> um... The uh, monologues, you mentioned monologues. monologues. Yes. Um, I'm not sure I'm a fan of monologues. Sell them to me. You're not a fan of watching them or doing them? Mm. Because um, I think I agree that I'm not a big fan of watching them in an improv set. But you like doing them. I like doing That's them. That's selfish. It is very selfish. <laughs> Stuart, have I told you I'm doing stand-up? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I do like that Thing of being able to control the stage at the start at the start of a scene and being like not just the stage but like the audience and being like okay listen to me I, I think it creates a stillness in the room that sometimes you don't have mm. when you're like flatly blah with it improv give us a word here we go and everyone's a bit disorientated yeah, yeah. Um, if you tell them that we're going to tell you a true story from our lives now and people go oh, I'm actually interested in that true story. And then you can come in and do the scene. I, I like the feeling of that as a performer. I'm aware of if someone's just talking because they've been told they have to talk about a word and there's no joke or punchline or game or anything happening. I'm like, why don't you just do some improv for a bit? Um, the only reason I say I really love doing improvs, uh, being mon... <coughs> I think he said doing improvs and being monologues. <laughs> I'm neither of those. Um, the only reason I said I really liked doing monologues is they gave me the confidence in my it, when I'm doing stand-up to be like, even if I haven't got any prepared material, I'm aware that if I talk truthfully and engage with an audience and follow the ideas that I find exciting in my head, I'm aware that I can take an audience with me mm. if the worst comes to the worst and that... Because I guess in life, as myself, I don't necessarily think of myself as always the most interesting person. I'm not going to necessarily hold court in a pub or whatever. Um, But having done monologues fairly consistently with this group, Just Friends, uh, I feel confident enough to be like, no, I'm okay to stand up on stage on my own and talk and 
and trust that I can be funny and interesting. Um, so that's where I like monologues doing Armando's gave me that space and I'll always be sort of grateful that we did monologues um, in, like I mentioned, that Maria Peters long form class. I was so grateful that we did the Armando as a as a format because I think everyone, because when we went into that, I, I quite, my style of improv a lot of the time is very character heavy, um, sometimes quite broad and quite silly. So when when she first said to us, okay, we're doing the Armando, <clears throat> you're gonna have to go up and do a monologue, talk as yourself about your life. In my head, I'm like, I'm not interesting and I'm boring. The reason I'm the reason I get any enjoyment out of doing these characters is because they're not me yeah. and they're not about my life. And I don't think I'm experienced enough or knowledgeable enough. Um, uh, it gave me so much more self confidence having done monologues and gone like, no, this is fine. I'm talking about me and it's working. It's lovely. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, it's a tough one because, you, like you say, this is an improv podcast, so a lot of people listening to this are approaching improv from a perspective of, of doing it, and I really enjoy doing monologues. I enjoy using monologues to create uh, scene ideas and um, premises, and uh, even though I'm, I'm more organic, like I, I don't come in with a, an idea of what the scene's going to be a lot of the time. I like having the picture that they build with their monologue mm-hmm. to build my scene. I think I'm quite a visual person anyway. When I'm in a scene, a lot of the time I am genuinely seeing the things in the scene in front of me. Um, so when someone's giving their story about being on the tube or whatever, I'm genuinely seeing them on the tube. And that really helps me to go like, oh, I'm in a scene now, oh, I'm, I'm this old man on the tube or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It, it really helps me. So... I don't know. I'm not approaching it as a viewer of improv, so I um, and maybe that's a bad thing. But a lot of the time, I I think of improv and performance about what it can give me, like in quite a selfish way. Like, what's my experience of doing it? Like my favorite shows that I've done with Just Friends. My top favorite show I would say that I've done with Just Friends was to eight people. The audience was eight people. Yeah. Um, and it was so much fun. I think only four of us showed up for the show, um, because we could. And that's all we all we could make it. And I don't know if it was a, a, a contrast thing or whatever. But I'd come. I'd come away from one of. The, it was the last day of that free association intensive, and I thought I'd. I felt like I'd learnt so much, um, but I was also quite exhausted. And I was like, right. So for this show, I'm going to forget everything I've done and just have fun. And what happened was all the stuff I'd learned came out organically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just came off stage and I just remembered feeling, I was there, it was with Stuart, Bobby, Rob and me. I'm fairly certain it was just us four. Um, I'm so sorry if it's not. You warned me about listing people's names, but I'm 100% certain because there's a photo of us and <laughs> Stu is cradling me in his arms and that's burned into my memory um but i remember coming off stage and just going how lucky are we that we get to do this like this is a play it was at the miller it was a launch pad and it was just like what a cool stage what a cool place there's eight people in the audience i love them for coming i love the people on stage for doing it i don't really i don't really care about anything else it's just so nice to do it and perform and laugh and come up with new ideas so um, I don't know if that sells you on monologues, 
but I enjoy doing them. I think other people enjoy reacting to them. I enjoy reacting to them. That's kind of all that really matters to me, I think. so. I think it comes down to a good version of this format is good and a bad version of this format is bad. Yeah. I mean, maybe some formats have a higher success rate, um, but maybe they don't. It's like I've been on record many times of not being a huge fan of the Herald. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But a Herald done well is good improv and I will enjoy it. Yes. Um, And I think I like the idea of the honesty uh, of a monologue and the, you know, not not necessarily being funny or being interesting, because if you're too funny and interesting in your monologue, then it gives people who are doing the improv nowhere to go. I suppose sometimes it can be hard for people to actually tap into truth from a suggestion. Right. I think sometimes I've seen people floundering around because they haven't actually got that connection, but they don't want to leave the stage empty. Yeah. What I learnt from the FA is, which I did with Chris, um, oh, he's really good, I think it's Chris Gao, G-A-U, I think is his name, who taught uh, half of one of my courses, um, was he was saying about monologues, about make sure there's, there's somebody in your monologue with an opinion, a strong opinion. Um, because the, the Free Association teach a point of view as a... Uh, as a Every a character in a scene should have a point of view which they stick to for, for the whole scene, um, and it it re- it really helped me in monologues of like have someone whether it's you whether you're going I hate you know donkeys or whatever it, sh- it should be a bit more sophisticated than that I think. Um, <laughs> but or if there's just someone oh my mum she loves uh, I remember doing one recently the 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 suggestion was caterpillars or something and. The first thing I, I thought of was my mum, and I was like, she really likes nature. And then I was like, my mum loves caterpillars. Uh, my mum loves butterflies. And that whole, uh, she, she loves them to an extent that and she sort of assumes everyone else loves them as well and wants to talk about them, which is an adorable, lovely thing that I love about my mum. But also, that from therein lies the humour. Anyone can come on as anything now. They just have to have the same level of enthusiasm for whatever subject they want, being whatever character they want, that my mum has for butterflies. It's they're making still, it universal, isn't it? Yeah, they're still drawing from that monologue. And, and that really helped. And I, So whenever I do a monologue now, I, I try and find someone in that monologue have a strong opinion about something or a strong point of view or something. Um, and that really helped me. Um, and you notice it when you're not doing the monologue. When someone's doing a monologue and you see a strong opinion, your brain just goes, I, I've, I've thought of a hundred scenes I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's... I think the problem with monologues is it's not... Uh, uh, I prefer seeing monologues done by the cast that are performing. You know, they have that thing sometimes of, um, hey, we'll get this really interesting person in to do a monologue. Uh, that's when I get distracted, because I'm like, if that person is really interesting, I just want to hear them talk for an hour. Because uh, <laughs> yes. uh, an improvised scene is often going to start out quite sparse. And when you go from that, if the person's talking about you know physics or whatever they've got quite a densely worded thing and it's quite interesting about physics and then you're like 
oh, here we are, the physicists. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> you, when you see improv contrasted with something that's well rehearsed, sometimes it can seem like improv is a bad art form. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just, yeah. just in that immediate, you need to set the tone at the start, which is why I think it's quite nice to have that calming thing of like, this is a true story told by one of us. We're improvisers and we're going to do something in a bit. Don't you worry. But bloody hell, my mum loves butterflies. <laughs> and, and it's just like, oh, cool. We're like in your living room or whatever. Um, so I still like Armando's. Um, they hold they hold a set together really well, I think. Um, but we're, we're not, we're not going to... Just Friends aren't going to do them anymore, I don't uh. think. We might bring them out. We might bring them out when we're feeling lazy. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. So um, you're not at liberty to talk about the new format. Well, I'm, the reason I don't want to talk about the new format is because it's we we haven't fully decided on what we're doing, um, and I'm pretty sure I know what what we're doing. Um, I can tell you that I think it's gonna. Uh, you know the the game park bench. Uh, no, tell no, me you about don't. Park, no, about I park do, bench. but I'm yeah, for the benefit of it's something we always really enjoyed and always gave us really nice scenes. Um, and we, we, we tended to throw different games in combination with park bench. Um, but essentially you just have a park bench. It doesn't have to be a park bench. It can be anywhere. It could be a seat in a hotel lobby or, or, or anything. It doesn't even have to be a seat sometimes. Um, one person's uh, uh, playing a character um, and another character comes to join them on that bench. Um, you can either do it so that they're mirroring the character, so you have two very similar characters, or you can have a completely different character coming in. They do a scene, and then one of them leaves, and then a new person comes in to that same park bench. Um, we added another thing into it at one point, because Maria did a thing on our course that really helped us called... I think she called it People Just Do Nothing, uh, which really teaches you uh, about not putting too much into a scene just because you feel like you've got to talk. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I did one with a, a guy called Cal, who's... Uh, I don't see him much anymore, but he, he was really great at, at being quiet for a, a whole scene and then just saying one line. Um, but we, we, we were just sat on... We, I think it was called Flatmates Just Do Nothing. We were just sat on the sofa watching TV and we'd be sat on the sofa for quite a long time just watching TV in silence and then one of us would say something uh, say a little bit and the scene would build a tiny bit and we'd get a laugh and we'd feel that impulse to like once we got a laugh the other one would feel the need to go like and and, and I've got a thing as well and at that point Maria would go shut up just do nothing just say nothing and then we'd just go back to being in the scene and that really helped and when we combined that with Park Bench the relationships we built on stage were, were really nice. So we, so the format we're doing, I think, <laughs> and uh, will be based around that in the opening. Um, uh, how we're taking the suggestion is up for debate, um, and the structure is slightly up for debate, but I think what we've all decided we really quite like is something that um, Bobby Mills, who's in our team, she's really... I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's a really good improviser, and she's she's also in the team Gibberish All Sorts, who oh, yeah. do quite improvised theatre sort of stuff, which are really good, and that's really her vibe as well. She's really good at that. Um, I, I think UCB call it the pretty flower format. 
Right. Um, which is basically where one scene happens between often two people. Um, and that's sort of like the centerpiece for this whole show. And then when you tag somebody out, so you tap someone on the shoulder, they're not in the scene anymore. And you create a new scene with one of those people that was in the original scene. Uh, and that goes sort of backwards or forwards in time and you do something about the thing they were talking about and you can go backwards, backwards, backwards in time or forwards in time as far as you like. But then once you sweep the stage, you go back to that first scene and they carry on. So it's a real, it's a nice easy way of sort of centering what could be quite a narrative show. Mm. Um, and I really enjoy it and it holds, it holds the thing together really well. I know one of the ideas that Bobby had come up with that we tried. I don't think we're necessarily going to do it um, in the way that we had planned, but Bobby had this idea which was um, she's really interested in mothers and uh, like mothers don't get a very good portrayal a lot of the time in stuff. They're either like just the sort of worrying parent or something like that yeah. or just sort of helping the people or whatever. Um, so she came up with this format called Have You Called Your Mother? Um, where you ask people when and where was the last time you called your mother and something you hate about them or something you love about them. Um, and it starts with a phone call between these the child and their mother and they're in separate spaces. And then we do the tag in, tag out thing of the pretty flower. And um, you explore the different lives of the mother and the child and sometimes they come together in different scenes and that. And then the the whole thing ends when the phone call ends. Essentially, yes, um, it's it's hard. It was harder in practice. I think there were just some technical things of ending a show with a phone hanging up is a really nice idea, mm. but it doesn't. It's not a. It's nice to end on a laugh a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to end on a laugh or it's nice to end on a big physical thing. You can't really hang up a phone <laughs> in a very big physical way. Yeah. So we, we had some problems with it, but the internal structure of that whole thing worked really nicely. It has the freedom of like a montage or an Armando like we were doing anyway. Um, so yeah, it will be something like that. Cool. But that that has the elements of the drama and the theatre side of it, but also has the room for the crazy, wacky, stupid stuff that me and quite a few others of us in the group really love. Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. Um, yeah. And you're hosting your own nights? Yes. Um, so starting in February, um, we're running a monthly comedy night. So it is improv. We'll, Just Friends will be performing... There will likely be, uh, every month, there will be one stand-up, um, uh, one other improv group, and possibly a sketch group as well, um, and also a jam. Uh, uh, Ian, who's in our team, uh, has come up with a quite a, I think, quite an inventive idea for like a, a uh, sort of competitive jam, where there's two jam captains, like their coaches with like baseball caps and whistles. Um, and they're sort of like, it's a way of sort of making the jam an act in itself, if you know what I mean. So it's not just a loose sort of, anyone get up and we're doing this game. But the jam captains can sort of be in character whilst they're doing it and sort of coaching the coaching each team. Like, this is my star player, he's going to do the... Yeah, so um, yeah, there's going to be a jam, there's going to be uh, just friends doing a set... Um, uh, stand-up and uh, something else that's either improv or sketch. Um, it's every second Friday 
um, starting in February for the rest of time. <laughs> um, uh, 7.30pm at The Canvas, which is a very, very cool creative uh, venue in East London. Um, they give us the space for free because they're basically they're a community enterprise and they want to encourage new artistic creative works um, and uh, basically they run a cafe upstairs and downstairs they have their creative venue um, and it's it's just the cool it's just the coolest thing I'm so excited about it um, and we get to we we're not char we're not it's free entry it's free exit as well we're not we're not we're not making people pay on the way out or anything all we really ask is that buy a drink maybe because these people are kind enough to give us their space um it, it's you know you come into contact with people in improv so much and they're like I really want to try this thing out but what do I do like am I gonna I want to do this two prof with this person but I don't really know what I'm doing it's like do it at that night it's 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 gonna be so much fun. Um, I've also met quite, I did a Hoopla stand-up course, um, which I found so beneficial, and there were a bunch of really funny stand-ups doing properly good material, um, and needing five-minute spots, and it's like, come to our night and do five-minute spots, and you're really funny. We're not booking people that aren't really funny, so it's still a quality night, but it's completely free, and people get to try out new variations of stuff, um. And and for us, just friends, the benefit is we get we get a gig every month yeah. where we can try out our brand new park bench pretty flower have you called your mother format. So yeah, it's um very very exciting. So you mentioned uh, you did a hoopla stand up course. You're experimenting with stand up. What's your stand up style? Um, my stand up style is I'd say it's very different to my improv style. I uh it's very confessional, very very personal. Um, I came at it from the position of, uh, like the monologues, being very honest about um, problems I have in my life and, and things I find difficult about that. But I'm also, I'm an English graduate. I, I like writing. I like structuring things. So I, I, I sort of take that blank canvas of talking quite personally, confession, in a sort of confessional style, um, and then grinding, working really hard to write proper gags and punchlines in there. Um, I found very early on that you need a d definite laugh point for ever for everything you do. In my in my opinion, in, for my style, I need a de I need to be able to go. There's a laugh here, 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 and here, and then when I do it, I'm like, if there wasn't a laugh there, it is wrong. Uh, you can't go into a thirty second bit and go, this should be vaguely funny. It should be like. Da, 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 the laugh point is here, um, and I th I think I I'm I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased with how it's gone so far. I know I'm going to bomb a load from now on. Twenty nineteen, I'm going to be. I'm, I'm aiming to do two gigs, two stand up gigs a week. Wow. Um, which means I'm my goal is to do fifty for the year, so I can bail on half of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just because my calendar won't really allow me to do two a week. Um, but I'm aiming to do two a week. Um, uh, yeah, so that that style of because um, the, the jokes that I really love are to, it's again that performing thing of my experience of doing the stand up 
should be helpful to me, I think, as well. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just a very, very selfish person. <laughs> but to be honest, I'm standing on a stage on my own with a microphone. You have to be a bit <laughs> selfish, I guess. Um, yeah, so I think I, uh, so I've... I've probably written about ten, only ten minutes of stuff, but that is quite a lot of stuff when you're grinding out, out bits and cutting them down. Um, but my my five, my tightest five minutes starts about talking about my anxiety and because I've got a few anxiety problems and stuff like that that I deal with, um, and I just find it real. It's the best source of, of of, humor that I enjoy. Is the stuff that I'm like, I'm really worried about this. Do you do you get this? Oh. And, and trying to explain things the way they work in my brain, even if the other people don't understand it, they'll find humour in the way I'm explaining it. Hopefully, um, yeah. I just really, I just, yeah. I'm I'm just having so much fun with it at the moment. I mean, talk to me in two months' time. <laughs> I, yeah, I've died at every single gig I've done for the next, for the last two months. So yeah, but I, I um. I'm, uh, it's weird because we're recording this during the uh, Christmas New Year lull and I've been booking all this stuff in <laughs> and I'm all excited, eager, bushy-eyed, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, but it's it's so exciting. I'm so happy. <laughs> and also the, the benefit for me is I'm, I'm also really interested in comparing and writing that line between improv and, and prepared material, um, which is so hard to... Uh, cleanly do do you know what I mean to smoothly move between those there's a real you feel it when you do it and it's, it's hard not, there's a real clunk between like da, 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 here's my prepared joke uh, hello uh, I'm I'm a real person that's genuinely talking out of things that are coming into my brain there's just a huge clunk between the two um, that I'm really looking forward to hosting this monthly night and trying to work through uh, originally i'm i'm gonna if i'm doing any hosting i'm gonna run it like an improv night i'm not gonna do any material um i'll do some crowd work if i can but uh and slowly build up the skills of just being a decent host and not trying to be funny or anything like that um and then trying to slowly work in um because i'd love to i'd love to compare stand-up gigs at some point just because uh, for me it's yeah, I love improv so much. I love being funny off the cuff and other people being funny. I love that built... There's a thing in, obviously, the yes and concept in, in improv, but um, I was talking to a friend recently at the pub where um, I remember as a kid, all of the humour in my friendship group seemed to stem off of being a, like rude to each other <laughs> and just being quite mean to each other. And um, I realised those old school friends... As, Sometimes still doing that, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And what I loved about improv was when I first started doing it was if you go to the pub with them, you say a joke, they build on the joke. That was where the humour stemmed from. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. you're building this together, and if you're saying something directly to a person, normally you're just saying it's really nice being out with you. Yeah. I'm having a really nice time, which is, I think, when you're a teenager doing the humour of oh, yeah, you're a bit rubbish or whatever you're saying. I think what you're really saying is, I like you, but I'm too scared to tell you that I'm having a fun time, so I'm gonna, just going to mock you for your haircut or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I like being in the position now of... I'd love to compare gigs where I'm not... where I don't go on with any prepared material 
Um, I know this is what loads of people do all the time, but getting myself in this position where I can go on stage and have a nice sort of seven minute stint of like, I'm going to do crowd work and fall back on my material if I, if I need to. Um, and that's probably where I'm aiming to get this year. That's probably my goal for, for 2019. My goal is to do 50 stand-up gigs in, in numbers. But in terms of where I want to be, I want to be comfortable enough to work for three minutes of improvised stand-up, basically, or crowd work or whatever. Um, whether I can do it, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I, 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 loved, I love structuring things and writing things, and I absolutely love improvising. Um, and I find it really hard to do them both. So that's my goal, really, I, to, to do them both at the same time and not have that huge clunk that I talked about of, of <sighs> okay, now I'm improvising. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my goal. Sounds great. Now I've recorded them on the Improv London podcast. Uh, so, now it has to happen. So next year when I'm like, oh, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> oh, I promised Stuart. I know, you promised Stuart and all the listeners. And all the listeners, all the so Patreon you... listeners and <laughs> listen to my Reddit, who didn't listen to my Reddit <laughs> chat. Now I have to leave the Reddit chat in, otherwise I have to take that bit out as well. Oh, so confusing. That was my ploy. <laughs> Uh, how did you get, what drew you to improv in the first place? What's your improv origin story? Um, so being funny and being around funny people was probably my, it was the thing that drove me through life quite a lot. I think I was doing a, I was doing a degree, um, I was studying part time with the Open University doing an English degree and I was about four years into that, um, and I was getting, it was just getting a bit much at that point. And, and I was thinking about almost um, stopping it and just going, I've got so many other things I want to do. I'd wanted to do comedy in some form for, since I was a child, I'd wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be in a double act when I was seven. Wow. Like I was like, my every best friend I ever had at school, I was like, we should be a double act. <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm just living my life as a child. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, I was like, we should be in suits on stage or something. Um, but, but I just love comedy. I love stand up, and and be, and my brother was just is is the funniest person I know. So humor was just constant constant driving force in my life um but i got four years into this degree and i was like i'm not doing anything like the thing i cared about most was making other people laugh and being around people that made me laugh and i'm not doing anything to put that back in my life like the best part of my day is i'm at work and my colleague jokes around with me for five minutes and i'm like that's the best part i want that to be so much more of my life um and i was aware of improv as thing i think um the reason i was drawn to hoopla who i started with was i was aware of the rh experience oh, yeah, yeah. um and quite specifically tom webster and just how funny he was as a human being just seeing him just you know sometimes he'll just say one he'll make one specific reference to i think it'll be like a shop, a shop that, that no one's thought about for 20 years or whatever. And he's not saying it to be funny. It's just genuinely the first thing he thought of. And I was just like, he's such an inherently funny person. And 
he's going on stage with all these other people. I'm like, I just want to be around a people like that who who chose to spend their evening being funny on stage. So, um, because they were they were doing their monthly night at the Miller. Is it monthly? I can't even remember now. Regular. Is it regular? Let's just say regular. <laughs> Is it <nights>. regular? Sorry, <laughs> um, I'm so into monthly nights these days. I'm doing so much admin. Um, uh, and they were just attached to Hoopla, and I, I, look, I looked up other places, and I was just like, Hoopla just seems like all I want is to have fun with people, and and I and Hoopla seemed like the right place for that, and I was so right. Yes. Um, uh, but I was living in Reading, so I was travelling every week into London. I was so ner- I was so because I get social anxiety quite a bit. Um, so this is well, that was another big factor in it. Actually, I think I was isolating myself quite a lot because I didn't have many outlets to to be me very authentically like me is a lot of the time just being silly or or creating humor with people or talking quite deeply with people I'm not very good at the sort of middle ground space of that um and improv really gave me that that avenue to do that. It's uh, and then you start off doing sort of short form games and things like that, which uh, really helped me. Of like, it, it helped me to show that oh, I, I'm a funny person and I can do funny things. And also, I really appreciate other people being funny. I'm I'm such an easy laugh as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, like I say, like just Tom Webster mentioning a shop can make me laugh. There doesn't even have to be an actual joke behind it or an actual premise or anything um so yeah i, I traveled to uh, london uh, uh met people fairly instantly really just loved the sort of group mind of it all and um and by the and i went through the beginners i did the performance course and by that performance course it really gelled of like oh i love this you, you probably had it and everyone listening probably had it of like that moment when you're like, oh no, I'm definitely going to do this for the next hundred years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had that, and it's, uh, and I realised, yeah, yeah, no, I can do comedy. I can do comedy, and that's all I, all I need. Like, I don't need to make money off of it or anything. I, me being on stage and being funny and other people being funny uh, is, is I'm, I'm already living a better life than I ever imagined I ever could. Um, also, I don't know if that's a dirty word. Like, people say being funny, like, you shouldn't focus on being funny, but that's kind of the whole reason I got into it, I think. If people weren't being funny, I wouldn't... And that's the side of the improv theatre thing of, like, if a whole show isn't funny, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not big, I'm not into it, I don't think. I, that's really interesting actually, and yes, I think you're right, in certain circles, being funny is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, so. I, th- I think having fun is the, the, the idea, isn't it? It's like, you shouldn't be trying to be funny, because yeah, yeah. that never comes about. But, but I, if people aren't funny, I'm not going to laugh. So it's like, and what I want is to laugh. That's that's when I come away having laughed so hard, um, as I did whenever I saw the RH experience. That's when I'm like, I want to do that. 
Mm. Whereas if I watch a really good play that isn't funny or something, I don't come away going, I want to do that. I'm like, oh, that was really profound and I really liked it. Uh, so I think the, the, the thing that makes me want to do it is I want to be a part of what's funny. Whereas I don't want, I don't want to create a narrative or something. If I did, I'd write a novel or something like that, I think. I think that's why improv appeals to me most is because it's, it's the opportunity for people to be funny around other people. I don't know. Maybe that's... I think, for me, it's about human connection. Mm-hmm. It's about the human connection between the different people in the group and it's also the human connection between the people on stage and the people in the audience mm-hmm. and possibly the audience members with each other. And I think one of the ways in which we uh, share connection is through humour and is through laughter. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's possibly not the only way, but it's certainly a very powerful way. Yeah. Oh, no, I completely agree that it's definitely not the only way. And and I've definitely seen improvised theatre things that I'm so in awe of. But like I say, I, I don't go, I want to be in that. Yeah. Um, but it's seeing things that are funny that made me go, I want to be in that. So, um, yeah. But like I say, I'm really privileged to be in a team with people that can create those things because it allows me to do the stuff I want to do. And that's what's worked best for me, I think, because I've tried sometimes, I think maybe, I'd say maybe like four or five months ago, I was, I had that improv thing that you get where you're like, Oh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing at all, and <laughs> and none of this makes any sense. Um, so I tried being, because like I said before, I, I, I'm quite character heavy a lot of the time. That's when I feel most comfortable. Sometimes maybe it's a shield, but but I can really feel like I can live in a scene if I'm doing a character. And um, so I was like, all right, well, I'll do the thing of I'll be me. I know I can do monologues as me, but coming on stages, I'm Ellis, I'm going to talk in my voice, I'm going to have broadly my opinions. I just felt bored, I just felt so <laughs> bored, and I felt boring as well, do you know what I mean? I felt like other people looking at me like, what's he doing? So um, I'm still working it out, I'm still very new at improv, I've maybe been doing it just under two years now, so I'm just, you know, it's not... It's not something I have any real knowledge on. It's just I'm constantly scrabbling around trying to make stuff work. Fair enough. Which is the exciting part of it, isn't yeah. it? You know. Uh, and you've recently joined the old Bill? Joined the old Bill. Tell me about the old Bill. There, uh, Which is really mean because you've just done an audition and that's about as far as we've got <laughs> and I'm in the old Bill. So I realise that that's a really unfair question. Tell me about the old Bill. Well, the old Bill is it's an improv group I started in 1993. <laughs> um, no. Uh, there is a... Pl- uh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say what it is and you nod or shake your head based on what it is. Um, it's a police-themed, a post-Brexit police-themed sort of cop drama, that's improvised a, cop drama. Yeah, that's right, yes. Where there's a, basically there's a murder, right? Every, yeah. every time. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's great. It's Brilliant. great. It's great. The cast are all great. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... Uh, <laughs> so far it's gone basic, really well. Basic, basically, yeah, so far. 100% of the shows I've done <laughs> has just gone great. Um, 
yeah, I've done one audition. <laughs> it's probably the only time you've ever seen me improvise. I've think I've met you before. I think I have met you. before. We've definitely met before, I, but I don't think. Was that in a class, or was that in, or was that a jam or something? No. I don't know how interesting this is to the listeners. <laughs> Maybe we should save this of reminiscences. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I generally go, oh, if I see you at the Miller, because that's usually a pretty safe bet. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, no. What was I saying? Oh, the, the old bill. The old bill's really exciting. So, uh, um, so Bobby, who I talk about quite a lot, Bobby, sorry, Bobby is another word for policeman but I'm not talking about Bobby's I'm talking about a person called Bobby um, she uh, she messaged me saying oh the old bill are looking for people you'd be perfect for it because it's it's good. you can do quite broad characters and, and it's just a lot of fun it looks like a lot of fun in that. and having done the format which is not a hugely heady format or anything um, there's so much freedom for just Okay, I'm just gonna be. I think the first thing I did in an audition was just I'm gonna be an old man, which is one of my go-to's of like. Because sometimes I get sort of adrenaline or anxiety shakes as well, and I've had it. I I got it in a jam. I did a jam at, at the nursery, um, and I'm not the biggest fan of jams. Um, I, I I am after having done them, yeah, yeah. but going into them, I'm always like because oh, you're just playing with people that you haven't met before and you don't you don't know what your connection is going to be or whatever so I, I, I turned up late to our show so I'd been running or something and I just got anxiety shakes and stuff and adrenaline shakes and so I came on and I was like to hide the shakes I sort of just did an old man character wow. and I was like oh and so I sort of I bear that in mind every now and then of like if I'm feeling a bit nervous and I get a bit shaky just do a character for which shaking is just a thing that you do. Um, also, I, I find playing old people just really fun. <laughs> I just I just love it. Um, but yeah, yeah, the old build seems to have loads of freedom to just. If you're not playing one of the cops, you can be anyone doing anything, and you can be as sinister as you like. That is true. And it's uh, yeah, I love that broadness and the and yeah. Uh, and so Bobby put put me in contact with the old Bill and I auditioned and it was a lot of fun. Um, I think we paid each other off because she told me at one p a while ago that she really liked gibberish all sorts and she was like, oh, I'd love to be in that team. She really liked the stuff they do. And then I noticed they were auditioning so I sent her a link and she auditioned and got into them. So like a couple of months ago, she sent me a link for the the old bill. So now we're even. Into, yeah. We've got each other gigs. <laughs> and now we're even. Um, yeah, and I I want to do a two prop at some point with Bobby, because I don't know. We just it would just be really interesting because we have very different styles. Um, and uh, but when we have a conversation, it's like just in person. Um, you know, outside of our improv lives, um, it often gets into areas that are quite uh, I was going to say taboo, but not taboo, but just you wouldn't openly discuss a lot of the time with people. Um, 
and we talk about our own... It's kind of like how I am with my stand-up, I guess, quite confessional. But I'd love to have that confessional style as a kind of like a, a conversational centrepiece for a two-prov show in some way. But I don't know. There's a really cool photo of us. We went on holiday to Sweden. Um, and there's a photo of me sort of lying down on the balcony and her on a chair with sunglasses on. And it, we just look like a really cool folk rock band or something. <laughs> and I don't know if I just want to do a two-prov so that we can use that photo as the promotional stuff or not. Um, I, think yeah. that, I think that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, enough they're reason. They're all good reasons, but that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good reason. That's a good reason. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what's the best... A note that you've been given in an improv session? Um, it was probably from Charlotte Gittins. She covered, she's in, um, ostentatious um, and the Grand Theft Impro and all sorts of other. She's fantastic. Um, everyone came. She, she subbed in for a, a class I was doing once and we went to the pub afterwards and everyone was just so just so elated after the after the um session because we we just felt like we got so much out of it i uh, i think what she gave me i think we were working on status and um we'd all done scenes and then i hadn't you, you know that thing in an improv class where you're the last one that hasn't done the scene and you weren't necessarily deliberately holding back but now you're like oh no now there's pressure on me to sort of do something um but it was an odd number of people, so there was just me left, and she made me do a solo scene. And she was like, what's your go-to? Like, what's the go-to thing that you do? And I think, uh, and we were doing status, and I was like, I think quite low status, sort of crazy mad is sort of my thing. And she was like, I think that's higher status than you think it is, because it's, I don't care. I, I'm a crazy person, I don't really care. Um, and she was like, and I don't think you necessarily need to do it. And she made me do a... This isn't a specific note, but what she made me do really helped me. Was like, she was like, come on stage and do just do a scene for... And don't talk for the whole time and do something quite normal. And I came on and I was, sh I, I was shaving, the other thing. And just midway through that scene, I, I realised how much up to that point I'd been relying on like some kind of goofy posture or something just I mean, it's probably linked to that thing of I'm doing this to be funny and be with funny people so I best make people laugh as much as I possibly can um but just sort of shaving and doing that scene and watching that people were quite captivated by it made me go like okay just it's okay to do your crazy weirdness but calm down sometimes man and I think that's oh, yeah that did really help me um, although that set me off on that path of, okay, now I need to be more like me, and then I got bored of it, so then I'm finding that balance still. Um, but j uh, to be honest, her whole... I don't know how much she teaches Charlotte Gittins. Yeah, I've never uh, been taught by her. I would... I would uh, if she was doing some kind of course, I would go, I'd do it straight away. She doesn't need to, because I think <laughs> she's very, very successful in what she does and everything. But... Um, Everyone who came out of that class was like, oh, that was so good. You know, you felt like you've learned, but you also, you learned by doing, not but you weren't sat in a classroom taking notes or something. Um, I just have a, a, a overwhelmingly, because it was kind of a, a, a difficult one as well. Midway through the class, I felt a bit, 
um, annoyed with myself or, or annoyed with my past self for over goofying things or, or something like that. And uh, I guess it's like that clowning thing of where they break you down to build you back up. It was like a light version of that. You know what I mean? So I, I, uh, I, don't, I, I, I can't think of a specific thing that she said, but having come out of doing all of the exercises she made us do, I felt like a better improviser already. Um, yeah, so if she's ever doing any kind of course, I will sign up straight away just because... It's just, uh, she has an aura about her of like, no, no, I know what I'm talking about, um, which I find really helpful. Because you know, you can never quite trust if someone does know what they're talking about, and probably I find, because it's, we're making stuff up, you know? <laughs> and you've got to pick and choose what, what works for you, so. And also, just because somebody is a good improviser, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a good teacher. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Versa. Big final question. Someone were to step on stage of you, what could they do to delight you? Oh, they've already done it. And, <laughs> um, just just come on with something huge. Just anything huge. And I will... To delight me, and I will straight man you the whole way. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to straight man people and, I, and just call out whatever they're doing. Laura Benson, who's in my team... Um, you have to see Laura Benson perform at some point because I love her so much. Um, she recently did a... Uh, there was some scene happening about board games or whatever. And she came up to me at the side. This was in a rehearsal. And she came up to me at the side and she was like, go in as the Monopoly man. And I was like, no, no, no. You go in as the Monopoly man. So she went in as the Monopoly man. Mr. She's Australian and doing a sort of half American accent and she's being an old man in a top hat when she's like a 20 year old woman or 20 something year old woman. Um, and she came in, oh, Mushka Monopoly and no one quite knew what to make of it because it sort of didn't make sense in the scene and I loved it so much. And she came off and... Um, the the show carried on and I was looking at her and she was like mm. and then she just came into another scene as Mr. Monopoly the Monopoly man and I lost it again and I think I think it's that boldness to because uh, then later on she she got the vibe that everyone else was sort of like okay that's done now and I was staring I was staring at her across the thing just like nodding like yep yep and then she came in again and laughing at herself you know all the rules of improv broken but that boldness to like even if people sort of sort of hate it if you if you if you think it's funny go in and do it and I I've been having kind of um, ideas of writing uh, over this Christmas lull that we've been having of I sort of want to write some sketches and stuff like and the first thing that came into my head is her I'm gonna I'm going whether she wants to do it she might say no or whatever I want to write a script of Mr Monopoly and she plays Mr Monopoly <laughs> and she's sort of like bribing people but she's like giving them monopoly money and it's like she tries to buy a monopoly set but with monopoly money and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> but just and her and I, I, if we were going to film it, I'd take the first take that she does of it because she's just so naturally like hilarious and just finds herself <laughs> laughing at herself. Oh it's, oh, it's just wonderful. I think 
for me to delight me, come in and do something mad, because uh, I'll ground it for you. I just want, I want the excitement of what you're doing. Um, and like I was saying about Tom Webster, those mistakes and those sort of crazinesses. Uh, I saw them recently at a show and he was talking, I think they were policemen and they had, he was, he went to say I have to arrest or some, someone or something and he went, hello arrest and he messed it up. And they went, what? And he went, hello arrest. And then suddenly hello arrest became a, a, a verb or something. <laughs> so every now and then he'd be like, hello arrest. And I, it, I was like nearly sick laughing at this hello arrest thing. And that's, you know, that's not scene work or grounded in any way. But Connor and, and Luke and that were just questioning him on it, <laughs> doing all the good um doing all, all of the good straight manning and, and grounding the scene completely. But he had the power to just be like, how arrested? Because he knows within his conviction that that's a funny thing to do. Just like Laura knows that being the Monopoly man and waving her arms around is just inherently funny. Um, so to delight me, just be, just be bold in whatever you want to do and, and go for it. That's what I say. Fantastic. Thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Yay! Yay! I knew you did arms in, in real life, even though it was audio. I know. You can just hear the just arms waving. Arms. It's Yay. a thing. We're going there. Bye. Bye. I made this. That's improv! <laughs> That's improv.